Okay, good morning everyone and welcome welcome to uh, Parsha, welcome to term three of Bina. Um, gotta keep learning, everyone's a little bit locked up, but we're gonna keep keep trucking, keep learning, keep growing. So this this Parsha this week is a very important Parsha, Parsha Dvarim. It's the beginning of a new Sefer, the beginning of Sefer Dvarim. We know it's also known, this coming Shabbos is also known as Shabbos Chazoin, the Shabbos where we read the special Haftorah, the prophecy of Ishayo Hanovi, the vision, the vision of Ishayo Hanovi, Chazoin Ishayo, and it's the third of the three special Haftorahs known as the Haftorahs of Rebuke, where we are warned to do the right thing because of the impending Churban Beis Amigdosh, the impending um, dis- destruction of the Beis Amigdosh, and so on. And in fact, this year where we have Shabbos. Uh, Erev Tishabov, what happens is we read the word Eicha. We've said this in other years as well, but we read the word Eicha um, three times. There's Eicha in Parshas Dvarim, where Moshe Rabbeinu complains that he, how's he supposed to carry the burden of this nation? We have the Eicha in the Haftorah, where the Navi, the prophet, bemoans the fact, Eicha, how could it be that the Jewish people have gone astray and been unfaithful to Hashem, so to speak? And then the third Eicha is the Megillah of Eicha, which you read on Matzah Shabbos and Tishabov, where we read Eicha Yoshva Badod, how could it be, alas, the city of Yerushalayim sits alone. So that's just a little bit about the Shabbos, but also, of course, a special Shabbos, the Barditshev, the Levi Yitzchak Barditshev said the famous thing, that the reason that it's called Shabbos Chazoin, the Shabbos of vision, is because on that Shabbos, actually, there's something very special that happens. There's a... Um, a vision of the Beis Hamikdash, the vision of the temple, which is the third temple, third Beis Hamikdash, which is shown to everyone, shown to, to, to all, and so on. But the book of Dvarim, coming back to the book of Dvarim, the book of Dvarim essentially is the repetition, it's known as the repetition of Torah, Mishnah Torah. It starts off on Rosh Chodesh Shvat, it's when Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, talks to the Jewish people a month and seven days before he passes away. And he does a number of things. He goes over many of the mitzvahs in this book. He rebukes them and reminds them of the stories that happened through the 40 years of the desert. And he begs them to learn the lessons and not to repeat the same mistakes. Preps them for going into Eretz Yisrael. Tells them the going into the land of Israel is going to be a bit different because they're going to be in a physical land plowing and sowing the fields and it's going to be not such a spiritual existence like it was in the desert. And then, of course, towards the whole end of the book, around Simchas Torah time, we have the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu. So let's just have a look at the first few psukim uh, together. And then we're going to go into something very special about the connection between the Parsha of the Varim and Tisha B'Av, which is, which is coming soon. But first, we'll just have a little bit of a taste of what the book of Dvarim is by looking at some of the first Pesukim. So I'm just going to share a screen here. Give me one second. Here we are. I think this is the one. Yeah, okay. So let's have a look. Number one in the screen over here. Let's see what the, the way the book uh, begins, where the Sefer begins. It says the following. Eile Dvarim, these are the things. That's what's called Dvarim. These are the things that the Jew, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the Jewish people. Where was Moshe Rabbeinu? On the other side of the Yardin. And then the Torah gives here a whole string of places. 
by Midbar in the desert, by Arava in the Arava, Moel Suf, across from Suf, between Paran and between Teufel, between Paran and between Teufel, with Lavan and and it was Lavan and it was Chatseros, with Di Zohav, and it was a place called Di Zohav. Now, as we've talked about in, in, in a number of years, uh, in, in the past, some of these places actually don't actually exist. They're just hints, very small hints of things that happened throughout the, term, throughout the time they were in the desert. For example, the last one says, Vidizov, that's a reference to the Egel Hazov, the golden calf that the, the Jewish people um, transgressed years before the book, the book of Dvarim is taking place. And Moshe Rabbeinu is reminding him, he's doing it delicately and sensitively, cryptically, as not to embarrass them. Okay, but that's not going to be our focus for today. Then the Torah says in the next pasuk, Achad osor yoy mechoyrev derech harseir ad kodesh barneh. Moshe Rabbeinu says it's 11 days. The journey is 11 days from Choyrev, which means Har Sinai, through the land of Seir, till you come to the border of Eretz Yisrael, which is Kodesh Barnea. What's the Pasuk referring to over there? As Rashi explains, that Moshe Rabbeinu says that when the Torah was given, when they left Har Sinai, Hashem really wanted to take them straight into the land of Israel. What happened was, it was really a journey of 11 days. 11 days from Choyrev till Kodesh Bar- Barnea. In fact, miraculously, they made that journey in three days. That's how much Hashem wanted to um, take the Jewish people into the land of Israel. But the Jewish people sinned at Kodesh Barnea. That's where they sent these spies. And they sinned at Kodesh Barnea. And Hashem punished them to remain in the Midbar for 40 years. And that's what happened. And Moshe Ben is saying, look what happened. You, Hashem really wanted to give you, bring you into Eretz soul so quickly, and look what happened, you ended up draying around the Midbar for 40 years. Okay, but now they're ready to go into Israel. It's a new generation. Says the Pasuk, It's 40 years later. The 11th month, which is the month of Shvat. On the first of the month, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the Jewish people, Everything Hashem had commanded him about them. And this, says the Pasuk, just to give us a bit of context, they had already conquered some of the space, not in Israel itself, but some of the neighboring uh, kings. And therefore it says, This was after they had already defeated and conquered the Sichoin Melachoi Moiri, Sichoin the king of Amori, who was sitting in the place called Cheshbon. There's Oig Malach Aboshan that already conquered the king called Oig Malach Aboshan, who was a very mighty and giant king. Asher Yoshev Ashtres Be'edroi, that he was staying in Ashtres Be'edroi. So, it was already sort of, the Yidin could see they were already conquering the land, they were already one foot in Eretz Yisrael, so to speak. And that's when Moshe Rabbeinu started this long drosha, and it says, Be'evra HaYardim, but it was still on the other side of the Yardim, because of course Moshe Rabbeinu was not permitted to go into Eretz Yisrael. The Eretz Moiv was in the land of Moiv. Hoyil Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu sort of undertook. He started. Be'er Esa Torah to explain the Torah. Lamer saying. And he goes on to give the history. And he goes through many of the mitzvahs. And that's why the book of Dvarim is called Mishnah Torah. The repetition of the Torah. Now before we get into the main topic today. I want to just point out something interesting. A little shot that I saw. So Rashi says if you have a look at number two. What does it mean? Moshe Rabbeinu explained the Torah. Says Moshe, says Rashi, He actually explained the Torah in 70 languages, which is interesting because all the Yidin spoke Hebrew, classical Hebrew, Lashon Kodesh at that time. But nevertheless, 
the idea, the spiritual idea of the Torah coming into the whole world, so it was necessary to communicate the Torah in 70 languages, and so on and so forth, and it was considered a very great thing. So there's an interesting question about that. Right? This is, I mean, this is a lesser known fact, but that, that Moshe Rabbein actually explained the Torah during this 37 days, not just in Hebrew, but in 70 languages, which was the 70 languages at the time. Now, just, there's an interesting problem with this, because that, that seems to be like a very great thing that Moshe Rabbein did. Yet, we have, um, we have a Mishnah, right? We have a Mishnah in, in, um, in Masech Tesoifrim, and it talks about the halacha of writing a Sefer Torah. So it says there, in terms of writing the Sefer Torah, like Koisfin, like Ivris, for like Aramis, for like Modis, for like Ivonis, Ksav B'chol HaRashonis, B'chol HaKsovim, like Yekoreba. In other words, you can't write a Sefer Torah in many different languages. Atik, Atshutahek, Suva, Ashuris. The font you used to have to use is Ashuris, which basically is what we use today, the special Sefer Torah letters. Then the Mishnah digresses and tells the following story, it tells two stories actually. There was a story with five elders. At that time, the Jewish people were very much under Greek influence and Greek rule. That They wrote to Talmai the king. They wrote in the Torah in Greek. And that day was as hard for the Jewish people as the day the Jews sinned the, with the golden calf. Because it's hard to translate the Torah properly. Then the Mishnah continues, There's another story with Talmud, there's a famous story with Talmud HaMelech. He took 72 elders from the Jewish people. And he put them into 72 different houses, different rooms. He didn't tell them why he put them there. So they didn't have any preparation. Then, then he went to every room and told them separately. He said to them, Write for me the Torah of your Rebbe, Moshe Rabbeinu. And they had to translate into Greek. Now, what did he do this? It's just an interesting story in its own right. He did this because he wanted to know what the Torah really says. He didn't want them to discuss it before because they didn't want, he didn't want them to make changes. He wanted to get the real undiluted product so he can see what this Torah is. Is it going to be a rebellion against him? Is it something he can't understand? Is it, is it nonsense? Whatever the whole case is. And therefore he took them. He didn't tell them why he's taking them. He put them into these 72 different places and then he told them to translate the Torah. A miracle happened. Hashem put counsel into the heart of each one and they all decided to do exactly the same thing. They wrote the Torah in Greek. And they changed three, 13 things. 13 times in the Torah they changed the translation. Because they knew otherwise they're going to they're have trouble. I'll just give you a couple of examples. Like it's, it says in the beginning of the Pasha, it's, it's, it says, In the beginning Hashem created. So they were worried that He would misunderstand this and he would say that Bereshis because you remember you know they, they were very pagan paganly orientated the, the Greeks everything was pagan and they multiple gods and they each god for something else and different things so they were worried that he would understand that that there's a god called Bereshis there's an idol some sort of deity called Bereshis and Bereshis Baralakim and this Bereshis created God Chas 
So what did they do? They changed it and they said, Elohim Bara Bereshis. They turned it over. God created Bereshis. Uh, another, another change they made, you know where it says in the Torah, Hashem said, let us make man. Which is a very problematic possible, and we know what it means, because he was referring to the Malachim, and he, he sort of collaborated with Malachim to teach us respect and, and the art of collaboration and so on. But they didn't want that in the hands of Talmud HaMelech, because it would be very misinterpreted and distorted. So instead of saying, Na'ase Odom, let us make man, they translated it as, Ese Odom, let me make man. One more example, it says, oh, two more examples, I'll just give you. It says, you know, in the Kiddush we make a Rifar night, it says, right, we say, we say, mm-hmm. it says, and Hashem finished the creation on the seventh day. Now we know there's a, that's a problematic phrase because Hashem rested on the seventh day. What does it mean? That's our whole Shabbos is based on that. But there's different ideas. We know that, of course, Hashem created things last minute on Friday, so it always almost seemed like He was going into Shabbos. Or Hashem did finish the creation on the seventh day because rest, menucha, rest was in fact something that was missing from the creation, and that came, bo Shabbos, bo menucha, that came on Shabbos, and therefore that was like a, a, a completion of creation, whatever the Pshat is. They didn't want to take any chances. They should ask questions. Ah, your Torah is nonsense because here it says Hashem finished on the seventh. Here it says He rested on the seventh. So they said, Vayichal Elohim Vayoyim Hashishi. They said Hashem finished on the sixth day. Last one, I mean, there's 13 of them. I'll just give you a couple, one more example. When the Yidin left Mitzrayim, it says that the Yidin were in Mitzrayim for 430 years. And we know it doesn't mean they were in Mitzrayim for 430 years because they have Torah Shabbat Pen. It means it was 430 years from when the idea of going into Mitzrayim was first launched, when, the, when Avram Avinu had that vision called the Brisbane Absorium, and Hashem revealed to him that he was going to take, he was going to put the Jews in a foreign land. So from that moment on until they went out was type of 430 years, right? So what did they translate it as? They said, and the dwelling place of the Jewish people who were dwelled in Mitzrayim and the land of Canaan, which land of Israel, total was 430 years. They shouldn't have. Anyway, said that. Anyway, why am I telling you the story? Because about that story also, later on the Mishnah says, that day was as difficult for the Jewish people as the day of the Eagle. So here we have an interesting thing. Why when the elders of the Jewish people had to translate the Torah into Greek, it was considered a very harsh day, a day like the Eagle Hazov, like the Golden Calf. And here we see in Parshish Dvarim that... Moshe Rabbeinu translated the Torah in 70 languages. It doesn't seem to be a problem. What's the difference? So I saw a beautiful idea, which is a fundamental idea, that it, it's interesting. It doesn't say that the day that they translated the Torah was as bad as the Egel Hazov. It doesn't say it was like the Golden Calf. It says it was like the day of the Golden Calf. There's a huge difference between the Golden Calf and the day of the Golden Calf. The day of the Golden Calf was supposed to be an amazing day. It was supposed to be a day that could go either way. It was going to be a day that Moshe Rabbeinu was coming down the mountain. It was going to be a day that he was going to deliver the, the set of luchais, the tablets from Hashem, which were divinely carved out and divinely en- engraved. And it was coming with the most amazing gift of sh- the Shekhinah and the Kedusha, the holiness, the divine presence that would come together with the, gold, with the, with the luchais. And that was an Eish it was a very auspicious and special time and it turned out to be a disaster. Meaning that we have times and we have things and experiences that we do that are necessary. They are, are, are days that are necessary, experiences that are necessary. 
but they can go either way. They can become the most unbelievable thing, and they can become the most disastrous thing. And by the way, that's very much in our lives. We have certain things that we need to do with Torah. Torah can't always be... Sometimes we need to implement Torah in certain settings, in certain contexts. We need to be able to interact with certain people. We need to be able to apply and implement and be relevant to certain contexts and certain experiences and certain types of people. But not always the things that we need to do are always safe, spiritually speaking. We need to recognize... Yeah, I mean, the safest thing is to sit in a base of Medrash, surrounded by Svarim, and just keep learning and davening and not, don't interact with the world. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do things which are going out there. But going out there doesn't mean... Going out there doesn't mean that it's safe. It's spiritually dangerous. But it turn out amazing. And that's what it means. It means when the Yidden had to translate the Torah into Greek, it was like the day of the Egel Hazor. It could be a day that could have tremendous results. And, be, and, it could day, and it could be a day that could, the whole Torah could be distorted and it could be terrible. Just like the day of the golden calf, which could have been an unbelievable day and it turned out to be a disastrous day. So in other words, what, what, the, what, the, what, the, what they're saying is that when they, when they translated the, the Torah into Greek, they were aware, they had the, the, the focus, the seriousness to understand the, the weight of the task that they had and the responsibility of that task that it could go either way, and therefore they have to be very, very careful about what they, what they, what they, what they did. Back, back to Parshas Tavarim, Moshe Rabbeinu comes and he translates the Torah into 70 language, also maybe not a very safe thing to do, but of course Moshe Rabbeinu was leading the charge, Moshe Rabbeinu was telling it to the Eden, and it was for a pu- purpose that was good, and therefore it was a good thing, not a bad thing. And, and it's not a contradiction to the, to the weight of the responsibility that Chachamim had when they translated it for time, the, a Greek king, Talmai HaMelech, knowing that this could be a real problem, and therefore I took the responsibility very, very seriously. Okay. Now, I want to go and spend the rest of the time. What I'm going to share with you comes from a, a source that I've used before, called the Shvile Pinchas. It's, it's stuff that comes out every week on the Parsha, beautiful stuff. And it's got to do, in fact, I'm going to stop the share for a moment and I'll, I'll come back to it later. And it's, um, it's focused on this concept that we always read the book of Dvarim before Tisha B'Av. Now, this is really brought in Shulchan Aruch. It's brought in Shulchan Aruch. The wording of the Shulchan Aruch based on the Gemara is that Parshas Dvarim is always read before Tishbov, so that or, or the way that it's sometimes said is that Tishbov is always before the book of Eschanan, the the Parsha of Eschanan, which is next week. The Levush explains the Levush, the famous halachic poisek, explains that the reason we read Parshas Dvarim before Tishbov because Parshas Dvarim is a Parsha of rebuke, a reprimand. Yes, cryptically and yes, sort of sometimes a bit subtle, but it is a book, a book of rebuke. Moshe Rabbeinu is reminding the Jewish people not to make mistakes from the past, and therefore. It's appropriate to read before Tisha B'Av. We, the Beis Amikdash was destroyed. The Haftorah is full of reprimand. Like we said in the beginning, the Haftorah has the word Eicha. The safe Parshas Dvarim has the book Eicha. So it all fits in and it makes sense to read the Parshas Dvarim before Tisha B'Av. However, we're going to take a whole different track today. and We're going to unpack something, explain something which is very, very beautiful. And it gives us a very beautiful insight to Tisha B'Av and to... And to the written Torah and the oral Torah, and uh, we'll try and see how we go with it. And it's based on a very famous Hasidic master, a pirush on the Chumash, called the Bnei Yisoschar. 
who bases this particular explanation on the Megala Amukais. Now the reason I'm emphasizing, I always like to say where things come from, but this time I'm doing it with extra emphasis because the Megala Amukais was an unbelievable Kabbalist. He lived in the 16th century, 1585. He was born in 1585, little 1633. His name was Rav Nossen Nota Shapiro, a very, very famous safer, very, very deep, very Kabbalistic. Uh, he was the Rav of Krakow, and he's, he's a universally accepted, unbelievable tzaddik. Why am I saying all that? Because we're going to go through an unbelievable pirush that he says, and then we're going to highlight an unbelievable question on what he says. But the question is, is, is a question that, can't, that can, cannot lead to dismissing what he says, because he's just too much of an authority for that, and needs to be explained, and we're going to bring in an explanation, and then get back to this idea. So... We're going to go on a bit of a journey. The, the idea is to come back eventually to understand on a different level why we read the book of Dvarim before Tisha B'Av. So put that on pause for a moment, hold, hold that thought, and we're going to go now to the whole three weeks thing, and we're going to come back to Parshas Dvarim towards the end. So the Nehis Hoskel points out the following. He says that we know we have the three weeks. The three weeks are called the Beinam Tzorim. The Beinam Tzorim essentially have 22 days. I mean, we call them three weeks, which is 21 days, but actually 22 days. Because it starts the same the day that it ends, right? So, for example, the 17th of Tammuz was, the, was, was on a Sunday. The three weeks are up the Shabbos. Then we have Tishba, which is an extra day. So it's 22 days, not 21 days. And if you make the Cheshbon, 22 days have all the 24 hours a day. It has 528 hours. So there's 528 hours in the three weeks. What's the significance of 528 hours in the three weeks? So Bnei Sosra says, for that you have to look at the Megala Amukas that I mentioned before. And the Megala Amukas says that we know we have, we have the Mishnah, right? The Mishnah is the basis of what we call the Oral Torah. We have the, the written Torah and the Oral Torah. The Oral Torah is the six orders of the Mishnah. Each order has different Masechtas. Each Masechta has different chapters. So the Megala Amukas says that the Mishnahis, if you take the, the Mishnah, the book of Mishnah, the codification of the Mishnah, which Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi did when he codified Torah Shabbat Peh, right? Just to give you a bit of a, just a bit of a background. So we know that until the, about the year 275, just after the Beisat, second Beisat Migdosh, oral Torah was discussed orally. That was, that's what was meant by oral Torah. It wasn't formally organized, it wasn't codified. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi finally decided that we need to do it because it's going to be forgotten. So he codified the oral Torah and all the halachas, all the laws of the oral Torah into the six Siddharim, the six orders of the Mishnah, known as the Shisha Sidra Mishnah, which is the foundation of Torah Shabbat The Gemara, of course, the Talmud, the Gemara, now expands and explains and analyzes, and then becomes the Shas, which is sort of, and then from the Shas flows everything else that we learn in Torah Shabbat But the Mishnah is the foundation of Torah Shabbat Says the Megala said in how many chapters are there in the entire Shisha Sidra Mishnah? 528. 528 is the same gematria as mafteach, meaning the key, the key, the, the, the foundation. So the key to Torah Shabbal Peh, the mafteach of the oral Torah, is 528 chapters of the Mishnah, because the Mishnah is the mafteach, it's the key to Torah Shabbal Peh. Now, the, 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 the Bnei Soscher brings a Mishnah, a, a Medrash, Medrash in Vayikra Rabbah that says, Ein That the Golos will come to an end, this Golos will come to an end, will be redeemed from the Golos in the Schus of learning Mishnah. And the Gemara over there, the, the, the Medrash over there brings a Pasuk, 
And it brings a pasuk that gam ki yisnu bagoyim ato akamtsev. It's a pasuk in Hosea which says, literally means, gam ki yisnu bagoyim, even though the, the Yidin will be given into the nations, they will be placed among the nations of the world, ato akamtsev, now I am going to gather them. Right? So, uh, what does that mean? The Medrash explain, understands it that the word Yisnu can mean they were given into the nations, but the word Yisnu can also mean they learn, even in other words, because they learn when they are among the nations. Learning, as we'll see, a special emphasis, focus on the oral Torah, the Torah Shabbat, because they learn when they are among the nations, now I am going to gather them and bring them back. Okay. Now, what's what's the pshat? Why a special connection to Mishnah? Why a special connection to Torah Shabbat? So he says, the Bnei Sasra says, what are we looking for? We're looking for Mashiach to come, right? What's going to happen when Mashiach comes? We're going to have a Beis HaMikdash. What's going to happen in the Beis HaMikdash? We're going to have the Shekhinah. We always talk about the Shekhinah. We'll have the presence of Hashem. Now we know that there's various ways to there's various ways to uh, refer to, ha- ha- to refer to God, refer to, to Hashem. One of them is Shechina. Shechina means because every name of Hashem, every description of Hashem describes a different, a different uh, aspect, a different manifestation of what Hashem is doing, so to speak. When we talk about Hashem not as He is on His own, so to speak, but the way ha- the way Hashem relates to the world, the way He comes to dwell in our lives, the way He comes to dwell in the Beis Hamikdash, to dwell in the world, that's called Shechina. Shechina is from the word Shoichen, to dwell. So when we talk about the Shechina Hagadosha, the Holy Shechina, we talk about Hashem's presence in the world. In Kabbalistic terms, that is known as the Malchus. Now we have, you know, we have the six, seven spheres, Chesed, Gvurah, Tiferes, and so on. The first six are considered the masculine. The seventh, the Malchus, is considered the feminine. And we know that in Torah, it's the same thing. Torah Shebichsav is considered the masculine part of Torah. Torah Shebalpeh is considered the feminine part of Torah. Why is that? Because Torah Shebichsav is when Hashem gives us the laws, the basic laws. But Torah Shebalpeh is when we receive the laws. And we know receiving and processing and nurturing is the feminine trait, the feminine quality. Just like a woman um, receives from the man and processes the, 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 the fetus and goes through a gestation period and gives birth to an amazing child, so too that's the feminine quality of taking something, processing it, analyzing it, nurturing it, and then giving birth. So therefore, Torah Shabbat Sav, the written Torah, is the raw word of God. That's the masculine revelation. It's Hashem giving us the Torah. Torah Shabbat is when we receive the Torah and we analyze the Torah, we learn the Torah, and we make it part of us, we receive it, we internalize Hashem's connection. That's the concept of Malchus, that's the concept of Torah Shabbat and that's the concept of Shechina. So therefore, when we are, when we, when we learn, when we show that Hashem is even with us in Golos, as we know, the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said that even when the Bidin went into Golos, the Shechina is with them. Maybe in a more hidden way, the Shechina is with them. What does it mean the Shechina is with them? There's another Gemara which says that when the Beis Amigdosh was destroyed, where do we find the Shechina? Where's the Divine Presence? The Divine Presence used to be in the Beis Amigdosh. Where's it now? It's in the Dalit Amis of Halacha. It's in the learning, the learning Torah. Halacha, Halacha means Torah Shabbat Similar to Mishnah, right? So he says, the Gemara says in the Megillah that the Shekhinah is with the Jewish people. Where do, they, where do they access it? Where do we access the Shekhinah? We access the Shekhinah in Torah Shabbat Peh. 
and when we learn Teresh Peh, and we learn it even though we're in Golos, then we'll have the Schus, that the Shechina will be revealed in the Beis HaMikdash, and Hashem will take us out of Golos, and Beschus the Torah will rebuild the Beis HaMikdash, and we'll see the Shechina in a much more re- revealed way. And therefore it says the Bnei Yisachar, that there's 22 days in the three weeks, 22 days is 528 hours, 528 hours is the same as the Prokim, as the, as the chapters in the Mishnayis, because Bishchus learning the Mishnayis, Bishchus learning the 528 chapters and everything that comes out of these chapters, during, especially during the three weeks, the idea of, of really learning Torah through that Schus will merit so the, the, the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash, which will be the revelation of, of the Shekhinah. By the way, that t- ties into another thing that the Haftariah we read this week ends off, and I, I mentioned it on Matzah Shabbos, but it ends off um, with the Geula, it ends off in a good note where the Mashiach will come, and it says the famous Pasuk, Hanavi says, Tzion ba Mishpat Tipadeh, Zion, meaning Yerushalayim, will be revealed with Mishpat, with justice, Veshaveha Bitzdaka, and those that are captured will return through Tzedakah. And we learn from there two things you have to do to bring Mashiach. One is the idea of mishpat. Mishpat means justice, but mishpat also means laws. Halachas, as the Targum says in Chumash. So tziyon mishpat yipad, how will we re- re- redeem Yerushalayim? Through mishpat, through learning halacha, through learning mishnah, learning Torah Shabbat Peh. And, 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 and also how will we return from our galus through the idea of tzedakah and love for others and, and, and uh, giving tzedakah and so on. Those are the two key ingredients as we know. Now, let's just develop this a little bit. Uh, and this is developed by the Shvila Pinchas himself. There's a famous Gemara in a couple of places, Baba Metziah and Adorim, where the Gemara says that Hashem says, Ozvu, that Hashem complains about the Jewish people that they went into Golos because they left my Torah. They left my Torah. And the Gemara says, well, What does it mean? So there's a famous opinion in the Gemara. That the reason the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed was because Jew, the Jewish people didn't make the bracha on Torah. You know when you learn you, in the morning we say our brachas, we, we when we learn Torah every day we're supposed to learn Torah, but we're supposed to not just learn Torah. We're supposed to make a bracha on the Torah, right? Which is we make two brachas actually. One is Asher Kedusha Mitzvah Sivanu. Uh, many nus, many versions have la asoik Torah to be involved in learning Torah, or some people say al divrei Torah, depending on nusach you have. Then there's a second bracha which we say Hashem chose us from among the nations and He gave us the Torah. Those are the two brachas we say. Says the Gemara, the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed because they didn't make a bracha on the Torah. So all of the asked this question: What on earth does that mean? What are we suggesting? They learned Torah. But they didn't make a bracha on the Torah. What does that mean? What, so because they got up in the morning and they forgot to say a couple of blessings, therefore the Beis Hamikdash should be destroyed? I mean, we're talking about people who obviously learned Torah. They just didn't make the bracha. Okay, the bracha is an important thing to do. But I mean, if someone, you know, forgot to make the bracha in the morning, or intentionally to make the bracha in the morning, and he learns Torah the entire day, I mean, it's pretty good, right? So what does it mean? Just because they didn't make the bracha on the Torah... If you told me the Jews stopped learning Torah altogether, okay, we understand. That's a serious issue. But if we say they learned Torah, they just didn't make the bracha on the Torah, that's a little harsh, no? Especially when we look at what the Gemara says about the first place of Mikdash. Right? The first place of Mikdash was destroyed because of very serious Averis. 
I mean, if you look at a different Gemara, the Gemara says the first person was destroyed because of murder, because of adultery, because of pagan worship, right? And now we're saying, no, it was destroyed because they didn't make a brach on the Torah. So what does that mean? So there's a Taz. The Taz was one of the great Paskin, one of the great commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, says the following. It's really, the Gemara is not asking why. What, is, why, what does it mean they left the Torah? What does it mean that the Besamidosh was destroyed because they didn't learn Torah? It means the Gemara is really asking how come they lost the protection? In other words, like this. Ultimately, the, the Besamidosh was destroyed for, for lots of serious things. But they lost the protection that Torah gives. Torah is supposed to protect someone, spiritually speaking. Physically also, but spiritually. Torah is supposed to, when a person is immersed in Torah learning, it's supposed to protect us. It's supposed to give us spiritual protection. They lost that. Why did they lose it? So the Gemara says, because they didn't make the bracha on the Torah. What does that mean? So so many different mafrash will be saying what it means, but, but, but the way he explains it here is like this. What is the bracha? In fact, there are two brachas. We make two brachas. The first one, actually, the Mepharshim says about the Torah, Shabbat the oral Torah. The second one, Bono, which is the same bracha that's made when someone has an aliyah to the Torah. That's about Torah, Shabbat Shabbat. Many, many, many versions have, as I said before, many nuschois have that the first bracha is la asoik b'divir Torah. It doesn't even make a bracha. We're not making a bracha that Hashem commanded us to learn Torah. We're making a bracha that Hashem commanded us to be involved in the Torah. In other words, What's the difference between Torah Shabbat Sav and Torah Shabbat Peh? What's the difference between the written Torah and the oral Torah? The written Torah is much easier, although it's difficult to explain, to understand the Torah, but the written Torah is the straight word of Hashem. The written Torah, in fact, we learn that a person can even get a mitzvah on learning the written Torah, even, even if he doesn't understand. That's why the halacha is that in shul we will call someone for an aliyah, and he'll make a bracha on the Torah, even if he's an ignorant person, he doesn't understand what the Balkaira is saying. He doesn't understand the words. Why? Because if you read the words of Chumash, if you read the words of Tilim, you get a mitzvah. Why you get a mitzvah? Because it's Hashem's word, and it's got holiness to it, it's beautiful, it's amazing. Right? If you learn a piece of Mishnah, and don't understand what you're talking about, you haven't done any mitzvah. But Torah Shabbat Shabbat, written Torah, you get a mitzvah. Torah Shabbat doesn't work like that. Torah because the whole idea of Torah is that you need to understand the Torah. You need to have a relationship with the Torah. You need to internalize Hashem's teachings. That you have to work very hard. That you have to toil, as we know. As we know, the famous Pasuk in Pasha's Bechukaisa, which we've learned many times together, where the Torah says, in If you will walk in my Torah, in my ways, and Rashi says, what does it mean to walk in Hashem's ways? means to grow. What does it mean, says Rashi? Shetihu amelim You have to work hard in Torah. The famous Mishnah, the Mishnah says that success in learning Torah doesn't come from people who are indulgent and immersed in the pleasures of this world. Why? Because then it just blocks you. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the pathway. You have a mitzvah if you learn a few psukim, but it doesn't give you the pathway to really understand and connect to Hashem in a proper way. To, make, to, to learn Torah properly means to make room for Hashem's wisdom, to surrender to a high understanding, to internalize something which is transcendent and beyond us. For that you have to work hard, for that you can't be passive. You have to put in the effort, you have to build a relationship with the Torah. What is the idea of making a bracha before the Torah? Generally, what's the idea of making a bracha before each mitzvah? Why? If Hashem told us to do mitzvahs, we should do the mitzvah. Why do we have to make a bracha before we put on tefillin, before we light Shabbos candles? What's the idea of a bracha? One of the ideas behind the bracha is, he doesn't bring this, but I'm just bringing it in to sort of enhance what he's saying. One of the ideas is that when we do a mitzvah, there's two ways of doing a mitzvah. 
Right? I'm, I'm specifically referring to the brachas and mitzvahs, right? Make a bracha before we eat food, you understand? Because we eat food, we ha- we're having pleasure from this world. It's, it makes sense to ask Hashem permission to partake of His world and to show gratitude that Hashem has given us all these amazing uh, things that we eat and enjoy and so on. But when it comes to a mitzvah, what, what are we going to do? We're going to eat matzah, we're going to light Shabbos candles, we're going to do what Hashem wants. Why don't we make a bracha before? What's the idea of a bracha before? One of the ideas of making a bracha before a mitzvah is that when you make a bracha, you build a relationship with the mitzvah. You focus on the mitzvah. You think about the mitzvah. You prepare for the mitzvah. In other words, when you just do a mitzvah, it's done, but there's you and there's the mitzvah. You haven't internalized, you get a mitzvah, you get reward, but you haven't internalized, you haven't made the mitzvah part of you. The same thing is in Torah. We can learn Torah, particularly Torah, Shemitah, Sabrit and Torah, and, and, yeah, we, it's there, we learn, we've got a mitzvah, and that's it. But that's not what the Shechina is all about. To bring about the Shechina, to connect with Hashem, to tap into the presence of Hashem, we need to, have, we need to work hard, we need to invest, we need to give up some of the pleasures of the world, so we can really fully focus on understanding Hashem's Torah, understanding Hashem's wisdom. And that's the whole idea of Torah Shabbat Peh. In other words, that, the idea of really analyzing and asking questions and processing and understanding so that the Torah becomes ours. That's the idea of Malchus. That's the idea of Shechina. And that's mainly emphasized in the concept that we've talked about many times of Torah Shabbat Peh. So that's what the Gemara means. You know why the Beis English was destroyed? Because they didn't make a bracha on the Torah. They, weren't, they learned Torah, but they weren't prepared to build a relationship with Torah. They weren't prepared to work hard to internalize the Torah. Which is why when it comes to three weeks, so we need to fix what we, what we messed up on, so to speak. And we're more focused in the three weeks to understand uh, uh, how we bring the Beis Amikdash back and, and so on and so forth. One of the things is we have to remember this lesson. Says the Bnei Soscha, based on the Megala Mukos, how do we do it? By remembering, we have to learn Torah Shabbat Peh, we have to work hard to understand Hashem's wisdom, not just the, 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 the actual Psukim, but go much deeper than that and, and internalize, receive the Torah, which is the idea of Torah Shabbat Peh, and therefore remember that by remembering the 528 hours of the three weeks, which correspond to the 528 hours, uh, the chapters of the Mishnah. Beautiful Pshat. There's only one problem, that the math doesn't add up. After all of this, as the Mepharshim point out, as the Bnei Sosra himself points out, if you take out a Mishnayis and you count up all the chapters of the Mishnayis, you will come to 523. There's five chapters missing. So lovely Pshat, three weeks, 22 days, 528 hours, corresponds to 528 Eight chapters of the Mishnah. Galam Mukas takes it further. He says, Mafteach, it's the key to the Mishnah, the key to Torah. Mafteach, Begematri of Amr and 28. And it's not, there's 523. There's five chapters missing. So the Bnei Saska has a certain way that he answers this, but the Shule Pinchas offers up a very beautiful thing. It says, No, Taka 523. But the way you learn Torah Shabbat Peh. And Torah Shabbat means, as we said before, that we learn the Torah. We interpret the Torah. And we know the Zohar says that every person who learns Torah should be able to try and innovate in Torah and make chidushim, come up with new ideas, novel creative concepts. That's the idea of Torah Shabbat It's an ever-revolving process. But there's also a danger with the Torah Shabbat The Torah Shabbat is that because it's our Torah, we get into it, we interpret it, we explain it. It's very, very easy, as we've seen throughout generations, including our generation, it's very easy to misinterpret. 
It's very easy to distort the truth. It's very easy to say, Torah gives me a green light to come up with these crazy innovations and to both halachically and, and intellectually and to come up with all these things and to say, well, you know, there's a license here to be innovative. And therefore, I'll interpret it this way and interpret it that way. Forgetting the system, forgetting the divinity, forgetting the kernel of truth and forgetting the foundation of the Torah Shabbat of the, of the of the written Torah. What is the foundation of Torah Shabbat Peh? Torah Shabbat the written Torah. What's the, when we talk about the halachas of Torah, what's the, what's the crux, what's the foundation of Torah Shabbat Hamisha Chumshay Torah is the five books of Moshe. So when the Megala Mukai says that we talk about 528 chapters, he knew exactly what he was talking about. It's the 523 chapters of Mishnah coming together with only founded on and based on and joined with surrendering to the five books of the Chumash. The five books of Chumash, which is I'll just show you something interesting. I'm going to re-share the screen here. A, a, a beautiful idea. You know, the, uh, we need the Torah Shabbat Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat Peh, right? You need both together. We know that every day we say in Shema that we shall, we shall teach, teach, your, teach your children Torah. And you should always speak words of bomb of them, meaning the Torah. The Gemara in fact says, you should involve yourself with speaking the words of Torah, and not waste time talking nonsense. Right? The language of a Jew is the language of Torah. So we know that we are, we are many Mephoshim point out, what is Bom? Bom means Beis and Mem, right? How does Torah Shabbat Sav begin? The, Torah, the written Torah begins with a Beis, Bereshis. How does the Torah Shabbat Peh, the Mishnah, begin? The first Mishnah bring, starts with the word Me'emasai. From when can you read Shema each night? So the Beis is a reference to Torah Shabbat Sav. The Mem is a reference to Torah Shabbat Peh. And they have to go together. The Dibar Tobom. They have to always work together. And the working together is what creates the connection to, to Torah. He takes a step further. He says, actually, if you look at the word Vidibar Tobom, it's not, Beis is the first word of Bereshis, that's true. But the Mem is the first letter of the, Mish, the Mishnayis, right? Me'emasai. But it's actually, over here it's not a regular Mem, it's a final Mem. The final Mem is also significant, because the end of the Mishnayis, the last chapter of Mishnah, ends with the word, with the, with the letter Mem. And I'm going to learn the Mishnah with you, because it's actually significant to the next thing I'm going to say. The Mishnah says, Omri Rabbi Shimon ben Chalafta. Rabbi Shimon ben Chalafta says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't find a vessel better, a, a worthy vessel to contain blessing for the Jewish people. Allah has shalom, but rather only thing is peace. There has to be peace. Shanem, as it says, Hashem oiz la'amo yitain, Hashem gives strength to his nation, which by the way, oiz is a reference to Torah. Hashem yuvarech, Hashem blesses as Amoy Basholoim, he blesses his nation with peace. And that's the last word in the Mishnah, the last letter, the word Basholoim, is a final mem, going back with the Bartobom. How do we connect to Hashem? We've got to learn all the Mishnahis, but all the Mishnahis have to be based on the five books of Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's with the Bartobom, the base of Bereshis, and the final mem of the last letter 
of Teresh And he says an unbelievable thing. Because it comes out, what I said before, that really there's two things that we focus on. But going back to that Pasuk, I told you in the Haftarah, the two things we focus on in the three weeks really in order to hasten the Geula, in order to hasten the, the, uh, the, uh, the Geula, the redemption through Mashiach. One is the idea of Torah. Now we see this idea because Torah particularly, internalizing the Torah, because that internalizes our relationship with Hashem that connects to the Shekhinah. And of course, we know the other thing, right? The other thing is that it says the, the Gemara tells us that Beis Amidus was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, baseless hatred. And therefore we fix that and we try to bring about Mashiach through the concept of baseless love, which incorporates all things like giving tzedakah, being nice to other people, tolerating other people, accepting other people, and so on and so forth, and not making room for others, right? The idea of peace, making a really coexisting and just loving other people, even if there's no reason to, even if they get on our nerves, but to really go out of our way to extend unity and, and love to other people. Which, of course, those two things are also mentioned, hinted in the last part of the Mishnah. Hashem oiz Hashem gives strength to his nation, that's Torah, and Hashem blesses his nation with peace, that's the second thing. So now, it comes like this, and I'm going to finish with this idea. And a very beautiful concept. If there's a very interesting halacha, there's a very interesting halacha with regard to Tishabab, which we can have the Sunday, Chas Shol Mashiach doesn't come before then. Tishabab is the day that we mourn the destruction of the Beis Amigdash. We have very severe laws of mourning on Tishabab. We not supposed to work on Tisha B'Av, at least for the first half of the day. We're not, we have to sit on a low stool, and so on and so forth. There's an interesting halacha, however, that when it comes after midday, after midday, in, uh, on Tisha B'Av, we start to relax a little bit the laws of mourning. For example, in some shuls, in many shuls that take off the curtain of the, our own Kodesh during Tisha B'Av, after half day, you put it back. We sit on a low stool, we only sit till half a day. After 12 o'clock, we sit on a regular stool. Mincha, at Mincha of Tishabav, we already start talking about comfort. Nachem, we say a special tefillah called Nachem. Why is this? Because Chazal tell us that although the Beis Hamikdosh was burning in the Tishabav afternoon, but there's a famous Gemara, a famous Medrash, that there was the, the rabbis who had left Yerushalayim before the destruction. And they had gone to the city of Yavne to set up the Sanhedrin. And one of the great sages had a cow. And he had a neighbor. The neighbor was uh, one of the natives that called an Arvi, like an Arab. But it means like more of the sort of the, the, the people of the land at that time. And this Arab was like a psyche a little bit. He, was a, he understood signals and he was a bit of a spiritual guy. And this particular sage, his cow, after half day, it was after half day of Tishabav, his cow mooed, it mooed. Gave a, I don't know, yeah, gave a noise. So the, this, 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 this non-Jewish neighbor turns to the sage and says, your base Hamigdosh was just destroyed. And as he said that, the cow gave out a second sound. And he turned to him and he said, Noilad Mashiach Yisrael, Mashiach was just born. Meaning, the seeds of redemption. So we have this concept that because at midday, that's when it happened, but also at that time, Noilad Mashiach Yisrael, the seeds of redemption were sowed, that's why we relaxed the morning and we started really to focus. We finished the Tisha B'Av with all of its halachas and so on, but we, we start to focus more on the comfort and the redemption. 
the Shulah Pintuchah says a beautiful idea. He says another concept behind that. If now we've come to this conclusion, we have this number 528. But really there's only 523 chapters of Mishnah. So if you start the three weeks and each hour corresponds, right? Each hour corresponds to another chapter in Mishnah. Which means that the 12 to 1 o'clock on Tisha B'Av day, which is the last day, corresponds to the last chapter of Mishnah. And the last five hours of Tisha B'Av day, that's the five hours for the five books of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah Shabbat Sav, the written Torah. That means that what, are we, what, what chapter of Mishnah corresponds to the 12 to 1 o'clock on Tisha B'Av day, the last chapter which ends... In Hashem Oiz Yita in Hashem is Basholem. That Hashem has blessed his nation with strength and blessed them with peace. If Tishabov afternoon comes, I mean we could do this even before Tishabov, but but at least by Tishabov, we, we have this idea that if we come to twelve o'clock on Tishabov day and we've solidified our connection to the Torah, which means we've learned through the 528, uh, 23 chapters of the Mishnah, we were connected to the Mishnah. But not only are we connected to learning Torah, we've also taken the second lesson. The second lesson which is in the last chapter of the Mishnah. Hashem Yuvarech has Amoy Bashalem, that Hashem gives his bracha. When does he give the bracha to, to the Jewish people? When they Bashalem, when they peace. Because there's no better keli, there's no better vessel for the bracha of Hashem than Shalom, the concept of peace and unity. If that's what we get the last hour, the 12 o'clock, in that hour, when that 12 o'clock hour starts, we get the, the, the finality of the Mishnah, the last chapter of the Mishnah, and we take its lesson, which is the lesson of peace, and now we're just going to make sure it's connected to the five books of Moshe Rabbeinu, but we've connected the concept of Shalom, we now really start to relax the laws of mourning, because we know the Mashiach is on the way. So, what's that all got to do? Now let's take it all the way back. So why then do we read the book of Devarim before Tisha B'av? So the Mepharshim explained a beautiful idea because what we've come to now is like this, just to summarize. We've come to that a very important rec- uh, preparation for Mashiach is the learning of Torah, not just Torah, Torah Shabbat Peh, the oral Torah. Making Torah ours, internalizing the Torah. But it's got to be the Torah which is connected to the Torah Shabbat itself, the written Torah. The many Mepharshim, many Rishonim explain that the book of Devarim is like the transition, it's the bridge between Torah Shabbat Sav and Torah Shabbat Peh. The book of Dvarim is a very strange book. It's, it's an interesting book. On the one hand, it's the part of Chumash, it's the word of Hashem. On the, one, on the other hand, as the Mepharshim point out, it's not exactly the same as the first books. In other words, the first four books is just straight the word of Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu is just a funnel. He's just repeating what Hashem says. The book of Dvarim is also Hashem's words, but it's more how Moshe Rabbeinu makes it his own. But it's still Torah Shabbat Sav. So in other words, the book of Dvarim is, an, is really the written Torah, but it's got an aspect to the oral Torah. What the book of Dvarim does is it joins together the Torah Shabbat Sav and the Torah Shabbat Peh. Which is another reason why we read the book of Dvarim before Tisha B'av. To emphasize that when three weeks come and Tisha B'av comes, we need to recommit ourselves to the study of Torah. Not just commit ourselves to the study of Torah, but the study of the oral Torah. The Mishnayas, the Mishnah, the concept of the 523 chapters of the Mishnah, but they have to be connected to Torah Shabbat It has to be Torah that we learn with the surrender and humility and the complete submission to the axioms and the truths of Torah Shabbat And it's only that combination that can bring us the Shechina, that can make sure that the Torah is allowing us and facilitating the process of connecting to the Divine Presence. 
When we do that, that's what brings the Geula. What is the best way to express that before Tisha B'Av, to remind us of that? The beginning of the Book of Dvarim. Because the Book of Dvarim is exactly that. It's the combination of the Torah Shabbat Sav and the Torah Shabbat So we should hopefully take these lessons. And of course, again, in the last few days of the three weeks, especially now that we have a bit more time in, in, in lockdown, hopefully, we should connect ourselves even more, not, not relax, but more connection or more commitment to the study of Torah and of course to what the last chapter of Mishnah says, which is the idea of Shalom and, and reaching out to other people and peace with other people and unity and, and love and so on and so forth. And Mishchus, all of that, in Mirz Hashem, we will not even have to have Tisha B'Av, but we'll have the final Geula and these days will be tra- transformed to days of Sasin and Simcha. Thank you very much, everyone. And uh, have a good day. You're very welcome.